going on everyone welcome back to another three at three how's it going how's it going uh it's been a week uh took july 4th off over here in the states um had uh had a chance to go visit family in maine where i'm from the baby got to hang with the grandparents a little bit it was a good time and uh now we are back and Lots and lots of stuff to talk about. So let's dive in. So I, as a lot of you did, I think, I woke up yesterday to this news that Deutsche Bank was laying off something like 18,000 people. So this massive restructuring uh, totally changed the nature of the bank. They're getting out of equities. Um, I saw uh, one of the headlines in a scene reminiscent of the financial crisis, right? So this happened and folks showed up at their jobs on Monday. Day uh, in London and in New York uh, to to realize that they maybe didn't have jobs anymore. So um, one of the first things that that happened though was this picture came out where if you can see right here this says bitcoins and I'm sure all of you have seen this now and so like right this couldn't be more tailor made for a meme right so I saw Marty post it uh, early and then Travis posted it right um, I posted Travis's post and said it was iconic uh, which I think it is right this is in some ways it's incredibly iconic um uh of course turns out that uh they weren't actually laid off from deutsche bank these guys just happen to be tailors who are walking by um and it just made for the perfect picture this is now turned into um i mean a, a total meme on its own right so you have the company that they're with uh that awkward moment when their tailors get mistaken for fired bankers you have the guy himself who's now his profile is hashtag Bitcoin bad guy. Um, so it's it's kind of ridiculous uh, and and just more almost more accurate to the, the partial absurdity and the, the upside downness that is crypto. Uh, but I think that the, the reason this makes such a big deal is is kind of uh, tweets like this. Right. So this is one of the founders of Delphi Digital, uh, who is obviously a, a prominent kind of analyst uh, company in the space. When I left the bank last year, I'm sure many of my coworkers thought I was taking too big of a risk going into crypto. I thought they were taking the greater risk by staying. Um, I think that, you know, far be it from me to, to do too much interpreting of, of what this uh, means in terms of the global banking infrastructure. But I do think it, it, it seems to reflect um, the just the, the lack of clarity that all of these banks have about what the future of their business model looks like and what the next couple of years are going to be like and, and where they fit. Um, I recommend if you guys want to dig in a little bit deeper, uh, there's this great thread uh by Johannes Borgen that goes really, really deep on um, exactly what was going on, what the restructuring plan is. Uh, really, really great content. I'll, I'll link to it uh, when I share this for you guys later. Um, but for now, let's dive into our next conversation. So uh, Libras, you can't you can't avoid Libra. Um, next week we have the kind of the uh, congressional discussions coming up, right? Um, and so uh, Coin Center uh, put out this um, this post basically about what they want policymakers to know about these about about Libra, particularly in the context of Libra versus Bitcoin. And effectively, what they're saying is that it's really not a Libra versus Bitcoin conversation, that they represent two totally different forces in the market. Um, this was echoed for those of you who didn't see it uh, last week, David Marcus, who's the project lead at Libra, posted a 
a, a, a long form kind of note on Facebook that answered some of the most common uh, questions, critiques, etc. about Libra. One of the things that really jumped out to people, which I talked about a little bit in Long Read Sunday this week, was um, kind of how clearly they were articulating that, yes, Libra was a, a tool, effectively, it was going to end up being a tool for law enforcement, um, and that it would make it much easier to, to kind of track criminal financial activity. And on the one hand, like they have to kind of make that argument if they're going to try to play nice with regulators in so many jurisdictions. On the other hand, I think a lot of people were taken aback by just how kind of bald face they put it. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I think that what CoinCenter is trying to do is really make it clear just how different these are and kind of let them be judged on their own merits effectively. Um, now, Simultaneously, the this last weekend, I think, uh, maybe on Sunday, Ben Hunt from Epsilon Theory wrote a long piece um, that's very different than kind of the analysis we've seen. I think a lot of the folks in the crypto space, and particularly in the Bitcoin world, have settled on this narrative that Libra, if anything, is good for Bitcoin because it introduces new people to the idea of cryptocurrency. It may get them acquainted with digital wallets and crypto wallets. Um, some number, some portion of folks who uh, get exposed and start using Libra will then go find their way into Bitcoin, right? Like this is the logic. And I think there's a lot of merit to that argument. Um, ben comes from a totally different place. Ben is basically making the argument that this is a an example of the power structure reclaiming uh, an insurgent force, co-opting it into uh, something that benefits itself on the back of a narrative uh, that is some somehow world-changing or somehow good for the world, right? So the narrative in this case is things like bank the unbanked and remittances and all this sort of stuff, right? All the things that were at the center of the Libra video when it when the when the project launched, um, and he's basically making the argument that. Libra is going is bad for Bitcoin because it totally co-ops the narrative space for the vast majority of people in the world. It won't be like, oh, cool, Libra. But what about Bitcoin? It'll just be Libra is the only thing that exists. Um, now, this is, I think, a really interesting point. Uh, I think there's a possibility that he's right. I think that the good news is that it kind of reinforces that it's our job, especially those of us who are in the Bitcoin community, in the larger crypto community right now, to do our own education so that the only context that people have isn't just Libra, uh, isn't just Facebook, isn't just kind of permission networks, um, that we help people understand the difference like Coinsider is trying to do. So I thought it was interesting to kind of pair these two together. Um, and with that, we'll go on to, to one more uh, that I wanted to talk about. So uh, this kind of came up. There's two interesting things that, that happened or, or two interesting tweets that I thought kind of fit together. So the first is uh, uh, Josie Bellini, who does really, really cool uh, Bitcoin and crypto art, um, really, really awesome stuff. Uh, I'll link to her shop as well um, for those of you who want to check it out. Uh, she puts. She basically did a version of this uh, of the bitcoins bag um, that was in that photo, uh, and it's for sale. And I thought that was super cool. I'm definitely going to order one. I think it's really rad, even if it's just kind of a, a commemoration of this moment. Um, and uh, and then I, you know just almost immediately I saw that uh, Michael, who for those of you who don't know, Michael also started uh, Skillshare. Michael Carnge. Uh, and, and has done just a lot of really, really interesting things. So he launched this project called Otis, and this is one I've been watching for a while. And basically the idea of Otis is to allow people to buy um, into cultural assets, so art, 
you know, really famous skateboard decks, like whatever, right? Like basically it fractionalizes um, ownership of culture. And at least that's the pitch. And so uh, it's super, super interesting to me. Um, so let's go to some of the responses. So you had over here, you had Product Hunt. Um, sorry, I do not want your notifications. So Product Hunt, who uh, kind of like there's really interesting support. So um, Ryan, who's the, the founder of Product Hunt, uh, pointed out that there's a couple other uh, a couple other folks have um, are doing versions of this. Mything Markets focus on magic cards. Um, I actually didn't see this poll. Let's do this right now. Yes, I'm bullish on fractional ownership. I'm not sure if mainstream will care. No way. Or main niche. Although I'm not sure, just so we see. Oh, no, I have to do this. Let's see if this works. This should work. Redirecting you back. So anyways, so uh, I think this is really interesting. Um, 38%. I'm bullish on fractional ownership. So 52%. There's only 25 people, but I still think it's interesting. So um, so there's, there's a bunch that's interesting here in terms of crypto. So I will say first that uh, this is not a cryptocurrency project. This is not a blockchain project, rather. Um, it looks like the way the mechanism is that the, they create uh, effectively special purpose companies to buy the pieces of art or pieces of culture. And then uh, owners are, are kind of, you know, it's all through the SEC. It's all regulated. Uh, and you become an actual owner with rights and all that, um, which I think in a lot of ways is is cool if, when it comes to these real like expensive existing uh, offline assets. Um, I think that it matters because a lot of the same things that that Michael and Otis are trying to figure out about fractionalized ownership, about whether people care to show off in digital galleries that they have access to some cool piece of culture, uh, whether people even care about kind of scarce cultural assets. Um, um, in the context of a digital world is uh, is pretty fascinating and I think is, you know, nudges up against, if not uh, is directly related to things like First Edition, uh, first edition and, and some of the other kind of interesting NFT-based cryptocurrency digital art projects. So um, I think it's worth watching from a, uh, from a kind of a consumer behavior standpoint, even if it's not a cryptocurrency project. Um, and, you know, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see. I can see a bunch of scenarios. I can see this being uh, interesting to people, interesting to a small portion of people, and that being enough to make it an interesting business, strictly from kind of a, an ROI perspective. Um, you know, part of the reason that people invest in art is not just that it's uh, that it's cool, but that it's scarce, right? It has a, a proven scarcity. There's there's no way to kind of uh, imitate originals, I guess, or at least you know, not holding aside uh, forgeries and things like that. So it could be that this, from a completely financial standpoint, it works. But it doesn't actually represent any new culture shift. Um, it could also be that this is a really interesting kind of cultural phase ship where in a world where everything is digitized and everything is uh, kind of endlessly and uh, endlessly commodified through reproduction, that people do actually want that like official stamp of approval that they own a piece of something. Um, so, you know, we'll see. It'll be really interesting to see. I'm certainly rooting for it. I think it's really cool. I hope it's at least successful enough that they get to dig in kind of deep uh, and, and see what happens. Um, so I haven't seen any any questions right now. Uh, first day back from the long week, but we will be back tomorrow. And uh, yeah, thanks for hanging out, guys. See you then.